Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. Welcome everybody back to the pod and for this episode today it will be part two of the conversation that I had with Rose and Carla on the theology of softness and so hopefully you were able to enjoy part one take it in and think about what it means to have a theology that is based in remaining soft in a world that is hardened, in a world that is ever pulling us to being cold, you know, and Jesus talks about in the latter days, in the last days, that the love of many will grow cold. And so it was important important to me to start off uh, this podcast venture with how I see the world and the thing that I am ever hoping to remain true to, which is to remain soft, right? And so hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, today's reading that you will hear later in the pod, uh, a snippet of a reading, comes from Audre Lorde's uh, essay, Scratching the Surface, Some Notes on Barriers to Women and Loving. So you will get just a smidge of, of that. And um, lastly, about this pod, uh, it will be, of course, conversations such as the one that you are hearing and partaking in, uh, and that can be with anyone from the everyday lay person whom I consider a theologian, and it can also include academics in the field, um, pastors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and so. It's important to note that I don't posture myself as one who has attained or arrived. I am learning and ever seeking to learn, right? And I am bringing what I know to the table and hopefully sitting down with you over a warm (laughs) beverage to dialogue and muse over theological things. And so you will have conversations. You'll also have individual pods where I will come, I I will be solo. And on those pods, I will have book reviews. I also may have um, times where I'm going over theological concepts that I am working through, digging through, and I want to bring to the pod um, to illuminate. Also, I may expound on biblical passages and the frameworks surrounding those passages. Um, And so, again, thank you so much for supporting uh, this work and love and light to you. It's so um, funny that you both brought up um, Psalm 23 because that's all I kept thinking about, uh, which is funny because I have like this love-hate relationship with Psalm 23 because when I was in third grade I had to recite it every day and so (laughs) for school Uh, thoughts and prayers uh young Carla (laughs) and so I'd always be like this is the most cliche psalm ever like why does everybody quote it you know (laughs) so so relatable it's so crazy. I <laughs> I hate it. 
Um, I, <laughs> I actually hate it. I mean, sometimes, but it led me to feeling this roller coaster of emotions as a kid because I didn't know how to harness it. And there was no man around me to tell me that that could be normal. I just knew it wasn't desirable. It was quote unquote feminine. It, it wasn't the way to move forward in life. Um, it was something to be rooted out of me. Um, and uh, men around me tried to root it out of me, uh, beat it out of me. Um, and I tried to be cruel to just excise this feminine nasty thing out of me. Um, and now at my age, I am running back to that place of softness and realizing whatever I need to do to anchor myself to that softness um, in a world that hates me, that's what I need to do. Go ahead, Carla, you were about to say something. Oh, I was just, I, um, I think it's so interesting when you said that um, from a male perspective, it looks like softness is a feminine attribute. And it's so interesting because Black women aren't ever <laughs> given uh, the freedom to just be soft, you know? And mm -hmm. I wonder how even that in itself is so connected to whiteness and how it has stolen so much yes. from wow. Black men and Black, and black women, right? And non-binary <laughs> folks. Like, there's like this mess that we have internalized. Um, that has just like stolen who we are or try to, because now we're, you know, we're coming back to it. But yeah, it just left me thinking about that. That's so interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Rose, what were you gonna say? I was just thinking about just how, how respectability plays such a role in like some of the, the men who came around you, Robert, and tried to try to get that softness out of you. And part of that is it, is it is a form of like, we want you to survive. And if this is how you are in the world, you will not make it. Um, and so, so in order to, because we cannot resist or change the status quo, um, in order to make sure that you make it, this is how you have to be. Like, this is the mask you have to put on in the world. Um, and there are, I mean, like the, for, for black women, like we, um, I mean, it's, it's arguable that, that white supremacy does not know what to do with black femininity um and in its in its ability to and it's and it's i don't know in, in the ways in which black uh femininity has been um defined through so many different stereotypes under white supremacy um it's either we're too sexual or not sexual enough um or or we're the mammy figure that protects and um serves the like white rich middle class folks and um, helps them, helps them nurture and raise their kids. So like with these kinds of stereotypes and ways of, of being like in, in a lot of ways, like the, the strong black woman, um, like it's also its own form of like respectability. It's its own narrative to try to resist some of the ways in which white supremacy has approached black womanhood. And so if a black woman is, is strong um, and independent, um, and it's strong enough in a way where not only is she lifting herself but her entire community, then we are redeeming blackness um, through, through that, that label and understanding of ourselves. Um, but unfortunately, that is not, um, it's not a, the strong black woman is, 
as a as a narrative is not shaped to liberate us it's shaped to um, chain us to something that helps pull everyone along but there's no like Dr. Shanika Walker Barnes says there was no plan of liberation for the strong black woman when that when that um, identity was created and so a lot of like what I'm thinking through um, with soft black womanhood is like how do we how do we take those chains off of ourselves and oh. then realize that in in doing that liberating ourselves we're telling everybody else to do their own work <laughs> no you y'all appreciate y'all y'all take this mic uh y'all want to have this <laughs> black coffee and theology on it y'all want this no um I'm thinking about this because often when we have these conversations, they are disconnected, uh, you know, into one gender or another. And what I'm loving about this is we're having this together. And I think there's something beautiful here and I'm feeling God's presence um, because the strong black man and the strong black woman are both so toxic to our being um, and I think they are hurting every cult, every minority culture to some degree. And I think, I think it's same probably across people of color spectrum. If I were to have to, if I were to have to guess, um, because as I'm thinking about it, you know, like, um, as I'm thinking about it, but, um, but it's so harmful because the strong black man, as you're, as you're talking about, um, Rose, and as I, I'm thinking about um, Dr. Yolanda Pierce's book in my uh, grandmother's house, she talks about survival tools that um, our grandmothers teach us to survive, right? And and they might not be the best tools, but they're they're they are um, enacting them so that we will survive to see the next generation, right? And the strong black man is stripped of these emotions and propped up to be strong and macho, um, not soft, so that he can just survive. Um, and similarly, uh, Black women, their femininity isn't the, the thing that is really propped up. They're just trying to survive, right? Like, y'all just need to survive, but both of us are not soft. I think that's the thing that connects us, right? Like, you don't have time to luxuriate, rest, neither one of us, we're both being hard um, in our communities, but what is the um, outcome? We war against white supremacy all day and in our communities, we don't take the cape off, right? We don't have the opportunity to take the cape off and we're tired, we do, like, and that's why I've, I've loved recently, yeah. you've, you've had this saying like, Rose, you're like, I want to be good at doing nothing. Um, and like, <laughs> and, um, and I find sometimes like I'll sit in my backyard and y'all, I probably cry. <laughs> but like, I'll sit in my backyard um, and I'll just sit there doing nothing and literally tears will start flowing just at being able to be soft and vulnerable in my backyard. And I realized that my father didn't have those opportunities. They weren't given to him just to have the space to breathe. And um, I'm keenly aware that that is a place of privilege just to even be able to breathe, right? Like just like five minutes to like breathe with a cup of coffee 
is a privilege, right? Like that wasn't available to my father's generation. So thoughts, you know. And I, and I will also say one thing, like uh, you saying like taking these chains off, I think is an individual work, but it's a collective work. And I think the most beautiful thing would be being able to do it together um, would be the most redemptively beautiful work um, within our communities would be like, that would be beautiful. I mean, um, I don't know how, um, but because, yeah, I think being able to take those chains off all together uh, because we're all tired. I mean, being able to be soft one another and to take those chains that bind off of each other without that harsh gaze from the outside, phew. <laughs> yes, because gentleness is one of the fruits of the spirit. Um, and the fruits of the spirit are not about individual characteristics of one person, but a community of folks who are witnessing to absolutely what the kingdom of God looks like in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I, I struggled, I struggled with, um, reading about gentleness as a fruit of the spirit, because I was like, who gets, who has permission to be gentle in the world? Um, yeah. And, and thinking about that, one of my go-to, uh, frameworks for community gentleness, um, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I literally have my Bible over to Psalm 23 right now. Come on, spirit okay, of God. Okay. Let's talk about Come Psalm 23. Come, Come on, spirit of the living God. Come on. <laughs> wow. Wow. Come on, okay. Spirit of the living. Oh my ah. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> I was yes. literally thinking of that on my run this morning and it's open. Let's go spirit. I, I remember recently I read that and it made me cry. Cause I was like, God, I want that. I want that gentleness. Um, and I recently read a first nations interpretation. Um, and yeah. I don't even have my Bible with me. Who am, who am I? Am I, can I even call myself a, anyways, somebody <laughs> can read <laughs> read the psalm but there's um one of the verses was was translated as like uh, he he lays his hands on my head and all the tired is gone i was like god if you know just just come in and do what you can and um that just like i don't know that just yeah i had a lot to that affected me greatly but um before i had read that i, I had to to lead on a Sunday, uh, a Bible study for a church and they were going through the fruits of the spirit. And like, I was like, somehow this is speaking to me. And so, um, I, I just began to ask the community, like, what does it look like for us to take this as a framework for how we are with one another? Um, because if, you know, if we are meant to witness to who God is in the world, then God is the one who, who leads us beside still waters and, 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 brings the most vulnerable into community to a place where, like, I think one of my, my favorite verses, my mind's going all over the place. So if I can't get one sentence out, you know, that's just me. But um, one of my favorite 
my favorite verses in there is um, he prepares a table for me in front, of the, in front of my enemies. And like, I just recently took a class on theologies of imagination and theopoetics. And I kept thinking about like, what does it look like? What does that verse really mean? Is it about making your enemies jealous? And it's about like, haha, look at me, like <laughs> my Lord's taking care of me and not you. No, I, I think of it as like, God wants my enemies to see what abundance looks like. God wants to change the imagination of, of those who are oppressing me um, with their mentality of scarcity. So, so they can see the, the lifestyle of, of, of living into abundance that I am living and start to question their own ways. And I'm just like, if that isn't a theology of imagination, um, if that isn't <laughs> you know, a, a guide for, for what we, we should long for in communities, but yeah, those are some I thoughts. Um, I want to hear more <laughs> from you all about this. Come on, Carla, thoughts. <laughs> What's in my cup? What's in my cup? Now's the time of the podcast where I share with you what's in my cup. Drink some coffee <laughs> and... Uh, this uh, particular coffee is from Portrait Coffee, and it is called Ocean Liturgy, and it tastes delightful. <laughs> and uh, on this packaging, it says the water tells our story, and the tasting notes are apricot, cabernet, and caramel, and the origin is Brazil and Colombia. And I also wanted to read this because I think it's beautiful. It says... The coffee is an homage to the daily rituals we engage, birthed from the communal longing of black folks separated across the African diaspora. Each sip is meant to reconnect us so that by the shared experience, we can taste the richness of our roots. So mm, that's what's in my cup for this first uh, tasting. For black women as well as black men, it is axiomatic that if we do not define ourselves for ourselves, we will be defined by others for their use and to our detriment. Black women and black men who recognize that the development of their particular strengths and interests does not diminish the other, do not need to diffuse their energies fighting for control over each other. Audrey Lord, scratching the surface. Some notes on barriers to women and loving. Carla, thoughts? <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Well, Rose, you are just brilliant, and I could just talk to you all day. I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's so um, funny that you both brought up. Um, Psalm 23 because that's all I kept thinking about uh, which is funny because I have like this love-hate relationship with Psalm 23 because when I was in third grade I had to recite it every day and so <laughs> for school thoughts and prayers uh young Carla <laughs> and so I'd always be like this is the most cliche psalm ever like why does everybody quote it you know <laughs> But it's so interesting because then, of course, when 
as I got older, I was so thankful that this psalm was like stuck to my spirit and I couldn't get rid of it. Um, but when I think of Psalm 23, I often have found that softness to me is connected to rest. And I don't think I know how to do that all the time. So every once in a while I'd be like, oh yes, this is restful and this is bringing life and this is bringing joy. But um, I love how in, um, you know, the one verse that says, and he restores my soul. And to me, it matters that it says he restores and not restored or will restore. Um, because I often think that I need restoration like today <laughs> in this exact moment and not, you know, I know that I need it yesterday and I will need it tomorrow, but I definitely need it in the now. And so there's this like active verb of restoring. Um, and, I, and I think of Jesus and that's so much of what he did was just restore, you know, in the way that he talked to people, the way that he just hung out with people, he just ate with people. <laughs> I wonder how much restoration was happening, right? Like I think of the times where I have sat down to eat a meal with someone and it is, you know, I could be, you know, I'm a coffee snob. I will go to not so great coffee shops as long as I'm sitting with the, you know, with somebody I want to be with. Hallelujah. <laughs> love. That is truly. Even Folgers. Even <laughs> Folgers, Lord. Even Folgers. <laughs> but be, like through that, you know, like through that restoration, I often also know that I can't do it by myself. If I'm, I'm not going to go drink bad coffee by myself. I will go drink bad coffee with somebody else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, because then, yeah, I just, to me, Jesus is like the perfect example for that. Just the way that he always was so gentle and kind and I also think it's so interesting how he always just kind of like went away and, you know, <laughs> randomly disappears <laughs> where you go, man, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think to be soft, there is the goodness of being with people and then also the goodness of the restoration of being still. So I think it's a both end. It's not one that. or the other. <laughs> I love that. And I think what it takes to be soft takes that restoration right um when we think about the world around us you know it wars against our ability to be soft i think that's what i hear in what both of you are saying and take a look at 2020 and so far 2021 phew <laughs> i mean i'm tired i need a nap <laughs> i mean oh yes and I, I, um, it's been violent, right? I mean, to be very honest, I mean, whether, I mean, whether it's the pandemic that has violently uprooted lives and has been a death plague all throughout our world, um, white nationalism and supremacy uh, being death dealing, um, to the point of what happened on January 6th, 
to the way in which um, pedagogy is happening in the classrooms. <laughs> um, uh, it's a lot, right? And, and I, I think for me, softness is not the natural inclination of the heart. And in one prayer that I pray often is, please don't let my heart grow cold. Um, because everything within me is, is um, pushing against that softness, right? And, and, and so I was running this morning um, beside this uh, quiet little stream um, uh, on my, on my long run this morning. And I was thinking of Psalm 23 the whole time. And it was just early in the morning hours. And it was just me on this, uh, beautiful little trail. Right. And, um, I felt so restored in that because for that moment in time, it just felt like it's just me and God. Right. Um, and, um, I felt like no other care in the world is just me um, huffing and puffing. It, it definitely wasn't cute. It was not, it was not a running commercial. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can, it was not cute. It was not sexy. Um, <laughs> it was not. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> less, less like everyone's like, oh no. <laughs> but. <laughs> Like, oh, that was so beautiful. It was not. But what felt restorative was like being near that uh, tiny little stream felt so, I felt so in touch with my creator. And for a moment, it felt like nothing else mattered. Here, I'm free of the chains of racism, everything that would hinder my body from movement. And the only thing that is stopping me is my foot, you know, falling one in front of the other, right? And uh, and and so yeah, I I I was just thinking of that imagery the whole time. It's like here, even here, you restore me here. And um, so yeah, so it's just interesting that we are all on the same page with Psalm twenty three. Um, I think this world doesn't love softness and it's an active thing to um, pursue softness, um, to have a theology and an ethic that grounds oneself in softness and say, this is my one pursuit. Like I'm gonna be soft and violent about softness and root out people, things, toxicity, that would keep me from softness, right? Like, yeah, yeah. An emphasis on people, <laughs> but go ahead, Carl. Yes. <laughs> go ahead, people. <laughs> I was, um, I was thinking how this year, I think, and I know Robert, you've talked about this on Twitter as well, um, but this year specifically, I felt like a shift in myself to suddenly. Um, not have to react all the time to the things that were happening either you know like in the world or uh in the white evangelical church sometimes i'm like i don't even know what anybody's talking about anymore <laughs> which is so good you know um but i think in that shift right it's when i started like pursuing more of like no the reason why is because i want to be fully here 
And my, I love what you said the other day, Robert, about the prophetic that comes with that, the prophetic calling that comes with that. And I think so many times softness and ease is prophetic, you know, because everything else, like everything outside is telling me that I shouldn't be these things. Um, but everything inside and what I know to be of the kingdom is telling me that I can be these things and that these things are going to bring healing to myself. And I often wonder of even of my family and my community. Right. And I also think of, you know, the people who came before me, I think so much of my grandma on my dad's side of the family. Um, she was an incredible woman. Also, she spoiled me so much for the six years I got to know her. So I love her. Um, but um, she had a hard life, you know? And I think like, I just wish she would like, she would be able to just sit with me today, you know, while I cook for her, while I like all these things, like we can just watch TV, sit on the couch, you know, <laughs> things like that. And I wonder how that's healing the generational trauma that, you know, we've carried for so long. Um, yeah. And so I just no longer spend time reacting to all the things anymore. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm here to create something new, you know, to like to, to bring, you know, like Jesus prayer on earth as it is in heaven. I think for so long, I was just really stuck on earth, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so bringing the kingdom. <laughs> Yeah, truly. Well, go ahead, Rose. What were you going to say? Oh, my goodness, Carla. It's not pop I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to love someone as much as I love Carla, but yeah, like someone I have not met in person yet, but here we are. Um, I was just thinking of like, just like how closely a conversation about embracing your softness touches a conversation of like boundaries and resistance and um yeah i mean Come on. Me, if, I, if i'm going to live into who who i am as a soft black woman in the world i have to cut out people and activities that get in the way of that mission um so yeah and i think uh, that can can happen on an interpersonal level and um community societal level um, and I see a resistance that can be shaped through through that conversation. Um, I just wrote this down like while someone was talking, I don't remember who, but I put, fugitivity is a witness. Um, the the act of of leaving something that is harmful and choosing choosing a better way is a witness. Um, it is a witness against the destruction and death dealing. Um, realities of what the place you've left um, but it's also the witness that can uh, can help prepare that table that in front of your enemies that witnesses to um, like this is what this is what we should be doing like this is you were trying to do that but you know you didn't but we came over here and we did we did that um, and and now you can let that you know be the thing that inspires your imagination towards creative and better um, so yeah, I love that. Like I'm as as far as seeing that in an example, I think of Nicole Hannah Jones. Um, I say to you, I refuse. <laughs> and <laughs> I want to get that as a tattoo. 
<laughs> Me too. <laughs> Matching tattoos, Rose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I say to you, I refuse. Um, I'm also thinking of the the black exodus of 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 that's happening in white evangelical spaces. Like that is a witness. Fugitivity is a witness, and um, and often it means going into a wilderness that is not necessarily um, there's no guarantee of what what the future will look like. Um, and I think a lot of us stay in these places that force us and shape us to be to be hard because <laughs> they've offered us a picture of the future. It may not be a good one. It may be the beigest future you've ever seen uh, or imagined, but it is something to grasp onto. Um, and fugitivity is an invitation to co-creating in the wilderness. And that is hard work. Um, and it, it also means embracing this reality that um, you're now living <laughs> at, at the, um, you're living in a space where, where you have to learn to flow with what is being thrown at you um, in that space. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that's, that's, where I'll, that's where I'll pause for now. <laughs> and I want to wrap things up right there uh, on that, that eloquent note. Fugitivity is a witness. Woo! Okay, well, thank y'all for that, that offering. Thank y'all. Oh, theology of softness thank y'all for coming on and appearing on this first episode thank y'all thank y'all thank y'all thank you thank you yeah. hey hallelujah black coffee and theology pod is a production of three black men the podcast about theology culture and the world around us follow us on twitter at three black men if you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.